الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وإذ يرفع إبراهيم القواعد من البيت وإسماعيل ربنا تقبل منا سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم In life we're constantly surrounded by noise and we often gauge success and assume benefit based off of how quote unquote loud something is For example, if someone gives a very powerful speech, then we immediately assume this to be impactful because it seems to strike some emotions within ourselves and the people that hear that speech. Someone posts a very profound tweet, for instance. We make the assumption that this is very impactful and very powerful because it elicits certain responses and reactions within ourselves and within the people around us. But when we're gauging these things, we don't necessarily look at what the downstream benefit is. And we don't necessarily look at what sort of change was, had occurred or was impacted because of this speech. Our assumption is we hear something that's loud and noisy or something that's powerful outwardly or apparently, uh, and we assume that to be a source of benefit or a source of change rather than truly assessing in the long term or downstream what sort of impact did this thing truly have. Now this doesn't just apply to the way we gauge and assess worldly communication or let's say worldly benefit or worldly change. This also applies to how we as a community sort of decide uh, how benefit is derived in terms of deen. So for instance, Uh, you know, we might say that such and such program was so powerful because a thousand people attended it. Because we're using these numbers as a way of assessing, you know what, this was a successful event and this had some impact on people. Or, for instance, if someone has posts a YouTube video of a talk and there's millions of people that have now viewed it, we now see, see this and we assume that because of this reaction and this response that it elicited, we assume that downstream this, had, uh, this is going to have a major change or a major impact. Uh, or the more oohs and ahs that come from a gathering, we think this is the one that's of, of the most benefit. Uh, but the reality is that if we're really trying to assess long-term how it is that we bring benefit into our lives or how it is that we make an, a lasting change within our life when it comes to our deen and our relationship with Allah, rarely is it a result of noise. Rarely is it a result, of, a result of external noise, be it a large gathering or be it some powerful speech. Um, this isn't what causes long-term change. or This isn't what provides long-term benefit, even though outwardly it seems to be this way. Let me give you a few examples just to highlight, highlight this principle. You would think that if it was a matter of how loud someone's speech was or how large a gathering was in which dini benefit or information was communicated, we would probably expect to see throughout the Qur'an so many examples 
of people giving large speeches and large gatherings in order to communicate benefit. But we find sort of the opposite, and that is that it's in their silence and in these quiet conversations with Allah that so much is captured that that ends up becoming a source of benefit. Let me give you an example. Let me give you a couple of examples from the Qur'an, and I'll give you an example from the seerah of the Prophet as well. From the Qur'an, when Ibrahim um, was constructing the Kaaba with his son Ismail, and now that project has now been completed, and now the responsibility of getting the word out to people to come and visit the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was now upon him. Now you'd think, what would be the best way for Ibrahim salam to be able to do this? He would have a very large gathering. He would try to travel the world, make announcements, send messages, send messengers, and say, look, the house of Allah has now been constructed. Everyone should go and visit the house of Allah. But what does Ibrahim salam do? The Quran says, وَإِذْ يَرْفَعُ إِبْرَاهِيمُ الْقَوَاعِدَ مِنَ الْبَيْتِ وَإِسْمَاعِيلُ رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا When Ibrahim salam completed the construction, or did the, constructed the Kaaba, the house of Allah, with his son Ismail, he said, رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا Oh Allah, accept this from us. This effort that I just put in, accept this from us. إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ Very powerful. You are the one who hears all and knows all. So he, now how is this dua made? Is it made in a large public gathering? Is it made in you know, some stadium or some conference or a huge masjid? It's a quiet conversation with this sincere servant of Allah who's now making this dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh Allah, whatever I just did, I ask that you accept this from me. And look at the consequence that comes from this. Now you have you know, downstream, the downstream effect, let's say thousands of years later, that there are people who visit the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hundreds of thousands on a daily basis, visiting the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all responding to the call of Ibrahim salam. And then for a particular portion of the year, the Hajj season, you know, millions of people are visiting. So this occurred due to a quiet, private, sincere conversation that one servant had with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The downstream benefit that came from this sincere dua was more powerful than had Ibrahim gone and traveled the world and tried to make announcements or create social media accounts or hold big conferences to communicate this one simple message. Incredible. And the Quran is filled with these stories. right? Look at Yunus and when now he's stuck in the belly of the whale uh, and it's at this moment that he makes such a powerful dua La ilaha illa anta, and we reset this in the dhikr. La ilaha illa anta, that there is no deity worthy of worship except you, O Allah. Subhanak, glory be to you, inni kuntu min al-dhalimeen. That indeed I am from the wrongdoers. Where did he make this statement? No one else could hear this. It's him, somewhere deep in the ocean, in the belly of a, of a beast or an animal. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears this. He accepts this. And he causes this dua to then spread across the universe. So much so that thousands of years later, when we are in need and we have to turn to Allah, this exact supplication we make as well. This is a sign of acceptance of Allah and true downstream impact. Meaning, people's lives have been able to change by being able to incorporate this dua into their life. People have actually made lasting changes because of this dua. But this dua was made in a very quiet, silent setting. Because the benefit that comes from silence 
is almost always going to be more benefit than the more uh, is always almost always going to be more than the benefit that can come from noise. And it's a really important principle that we have to accept it, uh, 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 that we have to understand in deen. I, I give examples from the Quran. If you look at the seerah and the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as well, it's very similar. Um, the Sahaba radiallahu. If you, if you look at the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, how many times do you, when you look at that seerah, how many times do you see the impact of a very powerful speech of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam on the companions? They occurred in a few places. Certain battlefields that occurred, you know, at the time of Hajj, for instance, that occurred on Jumu'ah Khutbah when he would address things. But the majority of the benefit that the Sahaba from the, received from the Prophet when I say benefit, I mean true benefit that actually caused Im, an impact and effectuated change and improved actions from the Sahaba, that impact happened in the day-to-day silent interactions they had with the Prophet And there's no doubt about this. And in fact, the way we know this for certain, that benefit comes from silence and not from speech, is in the simple definition of Sahaba. If someone, the, 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 a Sahabi is someone who we know from the, from, from, from the Qur'an and from the teaching of the Prophet that if someone becomes a Sahabi, a Sahaba, amongst a Sahaba, they're automatically considered to be pleasing, pleased to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala says, radiallahu anhum wa radu'an. Allah ta'ala is not pleased with them. It's the highest strength of any believer whatsoever. The highest strength any believer can ever get amongst the Sahabiyin, amongst the Sadiqeen. The highest strength will be the Sahaba, right? After the Prophets comes the Sahaba. There's no higher rank than it. Even a, 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 no, no, even a martyr doesn't come to that level as a Sahaba does. But what does a Sahabi, what does a person need to do in order to achieve the state of a Sahabi? They don't need to hear a word of the Prophet they don't need to listen to a speech of the Prophet They don't need to attend a conference of the Prophet They need to bring their heart into the silent company of the Prophet heart. And that transfers then, transference then occurs, and that person is not considered a Sahabi. And if they walk away from that gathering and never even hear a single word of the Prophet not even a single word from his mouth, they are not considered to be amongst the best, uh, they are not considered to be the best uh, of, of Muslims. Not because of anything except their heart coming into the company of the heart of the Prophet And you look at the examples of the Sahaba. I mean, the Sahaba were the types of individuals that when they would see the Prophet they would freeze. And when they would sit in his gatherings, they would be quiet, quiet and silently seated. And they would ask very few questions. Because they knew that what they were going to get from the Prophet meaning the ability to change their lives in a positive way and effectuate change and introduce deeds and remove evil, that was going to happen whether the Prophet opened his mouth or not. It didn't matter if he addressed their questions or their concerns. By coming into his company and the hearts coming into one gathering, that change then occurred. The benefit that comes from silence will almost always supersede the benefit that can be achieved from noise. The benefit that can come from silence will almost will always supersede the benefit that can actually that can come from noise. Now it's perplexing to us because again we live in a society, we live in a time, in a place uh, where we gauge benefit of deen based off of how outwardly apparently powerful things are. How many people are attending a gathering? How many people join? How many people are following? How many are liking? How many people are seeing? And we don't factor in. The gatherings where there is quiet, uh, where, where there's silence in assessing this. But that's the reality of things. 
And the re- the way we know this is because if you, I mean, in my just gauging from my my own experience, when you look long long term, five years later, who's actually really made a made an impactful change in their life? It's those individuals that have chosen to spend time in the company of people of piety and 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 and, and benefit from their silence. And not necessarily those people that are seeking out big conference or big event or big gathering or big video or big tweet in order to try to rejuvenate themselves Islamically. Yes, it has an emotional reaction. It's very short-lived, but where's the lasting impact? It comes from those, it comes from periods of silence. The way Ibrahim salam silently made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this dua was so pleasing to Allah that it caused a change to be effectuated in so many people downstream. And Yunus salam and Musa salam and so many others that had private, intimate conversations with Allah, that's where the benefit comes. Or the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum recognizing that their benefit comes from bringing themselves into the company of the Prophet even if the Prophet doesn't open his mouth, he, they're able to derive benefit. So, just kind of bringing this back full circle, um, we, should, we should begin to analyze in our own lives, one, we should, we should assess, you know, if I really want to make a change in my life, what are the necessary components for that to occur? Right? I mean, just because of the rest of the world is so interested in, in noise, is that necessarily what's going to cause change to occur within my life? Is that really the recipe for benefit? Um, and, then, and then I should gauge that, you know, what is it that I need to do in order to provide myself with that benefit? So I'll summarize in, in these two points. The first is that we should gauge success based off of the long-term impact that occurs in our life and the change that is effectuated. Not based off of the initial emotional reaction or response that we may have to something that we read or something that we hear. Because that's very short-lived and it fizzles out, it fizzles out very quickly and there's no lasting benefit. The second is we should really reflect upon the benefit that I as a believer, can derive when it comes to silence. And branching off into two sub-points, silence in the sense of my sincere, intimate conversations with Allah that no one else can hear and the benefit that I can get from this, and the benefit that I can get from the silent company of the people of piety. You know, if I look back at my own life and... I, you know, I've spent a lot of time in the company of my, my sheikh and my teacher, and it's, you know, that, it, it, that, that, that's been a mechanism for me to benefit in so many ways, alhamdulillah. Benefit comes from Allah, but that's been the mechanism and the method. But if I really think about it, you know, what was it? It wasn't necessarily the powerful speech or the powerful conference. The majority of benefit that I had received that actually had resulted in change for me personally over years in terms of recti- attempting to rectify myself and sin and, and deeds, etc., it came from the silent company or the, the company that I had kept of my teacher. Because recognizing that that's, where the sor- that's a true source of lasting benefit. Everything else, it, it becomes almost like a form of entertainment. If it sounds good, someone can scream and shout on a microphone. If someone can pack a hall with a thousand people, it feels great. The feelings are... You can get that from entertainment at, a, at an entertainment venue. That doesn't mean change occurs. That doesn't mean deeds are now changed in the long term. So I've seen this in my own life, 
And I've seen this in the lives of so many other people that have been pursuing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The desire is to pursue Allah ta'ala. The desire truly is to inculcate the sunnah of the Prophet in our lives and actually make a change. The majority of this is going to come from silence. And the benefit that we can, come from, that we can get from silence will almost always outdo any benefit that we can get from noise and from speech. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, allow us to, uh, to, to speak to him uh, in, in privacy uh, and, make, and supplicate to him uh, for whatever we need. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to appreciate the value that, that comes from silence and the benefit that our hearts can receive from the company of people of piety. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to truly uh, be able to understand the sources of benefit in this world. Wa akhira da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.